Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Not to give the viewers at home too much of a peek behind the pod. We're already showing them enough. Yeah. On the feed, but today might as well be a holiday for the Friends of DeSoto. The date of our recording, anyway, because sure. it's the sixth birthday of The Greatest Generation. Yeah. Uh, Old enough to drive, finally. Almost a month past as this episode is released, but uh, yeah. we're building runway right now, getting ready for some live shows. Yeah, this is important work we're doing. We've always said that. Yeah, so if you're if you're listening to this and this is news to you, just go back through the Twitter feed mm-hmm. of The Greatest Generation and the tweets about a month ago, start faving those things. Look, it's, uh, it's not too late to send a gift or to say happy birthday. <laughs> Uh, it's never Tuesday, too January 25th is the Greatest Generation's birthday. Yeah. Can you believe it? A six-year-old six podcast. You hear a lot. Like, my, my friends with kids mm-hmm. have uh, have a lot of descriptions for the the ages that children go through. Right. And, and sort of derisive terms for them, like terrible twos. Uh-huh. Really terrible threes. <laughs> terrifically terrible fours. What, what have you. So, so what's the thing for for sixes? Mm. Is that a thing? Mm. Trixie sixes. They're always trying to trick you. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. that's all it needs to be. <laughs> I think. Uh, I mean, our podcast isn't trying to trick anyone. We try to be pretty, pretty square with what we're presenting here. It's nice to be reminded of, like, I've, I forget things almost immediately after I do them. <laughs> Our show is maybe the greatest example of that. As soon as we turn it off, I, yeah, right. I like, listen to the show anew when I go to edit it. It's nice to be reminded of all the, the weird, fucked up, crazy things that our show has done over six years. We've done a lot of damage in that amount of time. Yeah, we've, we've broken a lot of Lego sets, broken a yeah. lot of hearts. Broken uh, a lot of minds. Busted up a lot of green rooms. Mispronounced a lot of dinosaur names. Ankylosaur. Ate a lot of hummus. <laughs> so much hummus. Yeah. So much hummus. So many uh, giant ribs and... Uh... <laughs> and backstage tequilas. Oh, yeah. Onstage tequilas. Yeah. Tandem bicycles. Mm. God, what we, else? We broke up the friendship between Raz and Plavim and then put it back together again. Yeah. Just for sport. <laughs> we've we've been all over this great country, bringing the gospel of greatest gen uh-huh. to the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, never a bad show from us, I'd say. Never. We haven't had one bad live show. <laughs> <laughs> we've never missed a Monday. Also, I think that might be the thing I'm most proud of. Yeah. In this, in a weird, in like a fucked up way, is that like never missed one. Always on time. I was at a backyard barbecue over the weekend and somebody was asking me about what I do and I uh, was saying that I have a podcast and they're like, oh, how often do you have to do that? And I was like, every week. <laughs> and they're like, really? Yeah. Like, so you, you release 52 episodes a year? And I, I was like, yeah, without fail. Yeah. I mean, it used to be way more. Back before we had the greatest discovery and we were dropping two greatest gens. That was... uh. 
That was 104 episodes that first year that we were doing it. That was dumb as hell. <laughs> you know what? But it was worth it because it got us to where we are today. Now we're in syndication. Yeah. 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 Getting that syndication check <laughs> in the mail is pretty nice. Of course, you got to you gotta cut it in half and give that other half to Jesse. Mm-hmm, right. The network. <laughs> he keeps 50% of the syndication money. He drives a hard bargain. Goes right up the old schnoz on Jesse Thorne. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why I, I cut the check in half the long way, to give mm-hmm. him a longer straw. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got a question. Okay. You got, invi- you got invited to a backyard barbecue, or did you host one? Uh, we got invited to. We have some friends here in the neighborhood who... Um, Spent a little bit of time in Texas and picked up the barbecue bug when they were oh. uh, living there. Uh, this was a college roommate of my wife's who was a vegetarian when she met him and is now like a... He will decide that morning to go to Costco and buy all the meats and throw a uh, a you know, a rib fest in his backyard that evening. And this was rib fest that you went to? Yeah. And it, I was pissed because we had a dinner res with another friend. And so I like, this is, this is the, this is the thing I always say is the worst thing in the world is surprise barbecue that is free. <laughs> <laughs> because I want an appetite. I want to be able to tuck into the barbecue you know, My mind's camera is is moving like on Steadicam through the party goers in this backyard and finally landing on you, just arms crossed, leaning against a fence. So pissed. angry. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had one rib, but I didn't want to spoil my supper, so I uh I held it at that and wow. it was really good. This dude knows his, his way around a uh, an offset smoker, I'll tell you what. Ribs are a great party food. Yeah. Good for a gathering. Yeah. What did you bring? We just brought a bottle of wine. We we were only there for like an hour. We didn't even really get to do anything. Oh, so you you moderated the gift based on uh, on length of time spent. This is no, kind of a good strategy. I think we would have brought a bottle of wine either way. So if you were staying for like an even shorter amount of time, you would have brought like the little bottle of wine, <laughs> like the airplane size. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gotten along so good with the flight attendants that they give you a bag of wine to take off the plane? That sounds like a story, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, this is one of the trips that my wife and I took many years ago. We were just like having a good time. I think this was to Europe or back from Europe. It had to be to Europe because it doesn't make any sense to party as hard as we did coming back. (laughs) It's one of those uh, situations where it was just a couple of cool people being cool to the people working there. And before you know it, you're being given a bag of of plain wine (laughs) to take with you uh, for your travels. And I'll tell you something, man. I know you and I, it's kind of an open secret that like wine is is different on a plane. Like it's actually, they choose a wine based on- They choose a big it wine. Being, it being consumed on a plane. And yeah. I had thought that maybe the wine would not be good, not on the plane. Right. But it was great. Hey, that's great. Like, plain wine is good. You don't need a plane for it. I love- It was big. I, I love hearing a story. The last time a flight attendant gave me something for free was when I was like a little kid and they thought I was like a charming child and brought me back a warm cookie from the first class section. Yeah, that's nice. You know, that's nice. 
in every industry that faces customers or the public. I think it's more important than ever to just be cool as hell. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're in a pandemic or not, because the story of the of the plane wine is many years old now. But it's tough stuff. It's tough stuff to be in the air too. Tough stuff to dealing with people. Tough stuff to have uh, have cranky people to deal with these days, especially. Plain wine cuts both ways, though. Yeah. It can make things better and worse. Yeah, it can really exacerbate the situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I had some some wine to celebrate our uh, our sixth birthday, Adam. I, uh, I know. I love making this show with you, man. This is a real treat. I do too. It is good to have an anniversary to remind us of uh, of all the good fortune we've had over the years. Yeah, the romance is not dead. No, not at all. Still fucking the show after all these years. <laughs> yeah. The show loves it. The show loves <laughs> that shit. Show's never got a headache. Show can't get enough. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it down, show. Yeah, get your mind out of the gutter. The I think show. The neighbors can hear you. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, uh, do you want to get into the show, Adam? I do. A strange little episode we've got on the docket today. It's Star Trek Voyager season three, episode thirteen, Fair Trade. Certified humane. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. It is take your Neelix to work day and Tuvok doesn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Neelix wanted to uh, wanted to brush up on being a security officer for some reason. And Tuvok is like, oh, (laughs) I thought you were speaking um, in the abstract. And Neelix is like, no, we agreed on this. The show reminds us of how annoying Neelix is, but wouldn't this be fairly pervasive behavior throughout the ship? Like, aren't there 30 people at least on the ship who are super bored with their jobs, who would like nothing more than just to rotate into something else and learn something new? Yeah, I thought about this. I think you got to be direct, though. Like, I feel like this scene sort of makes me think that Neelix is the kind of guy who would invite someone on a date and Mm -hmm. not be clear that that was what he was doing. And then they and would find out they were on a date on the date. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's going to be a better foil semantically than <laughs> Tuvok here because Tuvok remembers the conversation. He just remembers it the way it was instead of the way Neelix hoped yeah. it would be. He was engaging in some wishful thinking. Um, yeah. But it, he's like trying to really make the case for himself now saying he's like read the instruction manual. I got game like I read the directions. And uh, Tuvok does not exactly relish the idea of becoming Neelix's direct report. No, but it's been a while since we've gotten a little bit of Tuvok-Neelix odd coupling. And it made me wonder, Ben, if Tuvok is still doing the holodeck program. Like, does he he do the choke-out Neelix program at the resort that they've set up in the holodeck? I'm going to sing it to you every day from now on. It goes... Every scene between them, I'm like waiting for Tuvok to start choking Neelix and have that be revealed that this is just another run in his favorite game. I want to go to the resort program and have Tuvok start choking out Neelix, thinking that it's hollow Neelix (laughs) and it horrifying everyone that no, it's actually Neelix working behind the bar in the program because that's what he does. You've screwed up my hurricane for the last time, Mr. Neelix. (laughs) 
<laughs> I distinctly requested pebble ice. <laughs> So Neelix is kind of spreading it around here. Yeah. Uh, he takes it on over to engineering and lays one on BLT. Yeah. And BLT kind of gives Neelix the same treatment. Close your eyes, Ben. I'm going to ask you a question. If you were to step inside the rail in engineering between the rail and the warp core, would you fall down to the bottom of the warp core or not? On the D, yes. On the Voyager, No. The way the scene was blocked <laughs> gave me so much anxiety because, of course, I was thinking of the D. And I I obviously, after three seasons, know what it, the engineering department in Voyager looks like. But when BLT swings her way inside like, the rail, I was no, like... No, <laughs> you have so much to live for, BLT. Yeah. Neelix will leave soon. Yeah, she's looking for a way out here, and she does it so cool and casual. It is... It was the stone coldest thing she's ever done. I mean, if your workday involved dealing with Ensign Vorik and then Neelix in rapid succession, you might yeah. make a similar choice. That's a tough day. It really is. She's having some kind of generic engineering problem. Neelix wants to get involved in helping, but uh, he gets called up to the bridge before he can make too much of a nuisance of himself. And... Uh, what they have up on the bridge is a big gas cloud in front of the ship. Gas cloud, right ahead. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they say in, in one of the most popular films of all time. Master and Commander, the far side of the galaxy. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, spread out before them, Ben, is the Necrid Expanse, which yeah. is... Uh, also what they call the parody porn version of The Expanse, right? Right, yeah. Not streaming on Prime. <laughs> no, definitely not. This is enough. Just the announcement of the of the Necrid Expanse is enough for the theme music to kick in. After the break, I mean, this is what Neelix is here for, right? Hey, Neelix, we got a thing right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can, uh, you can tell us all about it. And Neelix kind of comes up with nothing. Come on, yeah. Neelix. It's big. Yeah. That's all you got? It's big. It's purple. Yeah. We can see that with our own eyes. He's like, um, 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 there's a space station somewhere around here. Couldn't tell you the coordinates. Ugh. Yeah. This has been a pretty rough five minutes for Neelix. Yeah. They can't go around it. They're going to have to go through it, but they're going to stop over at this space station to resupply, stock up before they travel through this gas cloud and we pull up to this thing. It, it's very interesting station design. It kind of reminded me of the International Space Station, all these like modules sticking off a central yeah. trunk. Really smooth looking too, like uh, like 8-bit video game smooth. Yeah, of. yeah. It, this, it's a smooth ISS is what it uh. is. <laughs> they get on FaceTime with the station manager this guy's name is Barat. He's both the station manager and a very creamy type of mozzarella. <laughs> More like Barat Hussein, station manager. Whoa. <laughs> Sick burn. <laughs> He's a bit of an asshole. Uh-huh. Kind of weirdly frictious with the way he greets them. Reminded me of the uh, the junkyard guy in TNG yes. that like had no time for them. Just the bedraggled guy with a job just trying to do his fucking job. 
Yeah. And that job would be made easier if people would quit hassling him. Get ready to watch a customer be denied her right. Ma'am, Wait, stop doing what? Can I talk? I, can you just- yes, this is a trading outpost. Yes, the taxes are 20% on everything. Yeah. You geez. can stop if you want. <laughs> yeah, how pissed can you be if you're if you're pulling 20% rips on everything? Yeah. Seems like uh seems like a very high sales tax. Does seem that way. The next scene is Janeway alone walking into Barat's office. And she gives him kind of like a bill of goods that they're looking to obtain. He's not super optimistic about them finding everything, but kind of reminds her of the rules. Like you gotta, you gotta kick back to me 20% on everything. And it seems like we can do business here, but he's not going to enjoy having this 20% that much. He's like the fucking diner chef in heat, right? <laughs> This whole scene plays out like that. Get tired of what that motherfucker does every day. Yeah, he's really giving off cranky Bud Court energy. <laughs> right. And what I really like about the actor who plays Barat's performance is he's he does that performative confidence thing where his head kind of wobbles on his neck as he moves around. <laughs> Did you pick this up? Yeah. Will Ferrell is like the master of this. Like what for comedy, I mean, like the looser your head is on your neck, it's like a power move. He's in like a weird way. Car dealer and eastbound and down level yeah. confident. Yeah. We then cut down to the uh, trading floor of this space station and a nice bizarre alien bazaar. Mm-hmm. They did a really great job of making this look like a really big space and the aliens are all like weird and interesting it's the challenge of deep space nine except for you can't lean on alien species that we can recognize they did a really cool job with the comp here because they had an area with a with a certain depth yeah and they shot it and then they blue screened behind that uh using a different scene playing yeah and then they comped that for double the depth and they blew the length of the scene back double yeah. with this like multiple yeah. blue screening action here. They did a great job and it, it, and it looks good. You know, sometimes you can get like that Freaky Friday effect when actors walk in front of a blue screen like this. Right. Uh, they really didn't betray the effect here when Paris and Chakotay are walking in front of it. They did a good job. It looks really good. And uh, Paris and Chakotay meet a shady figure. This guy would like to sell them some drugs, which actually sound like kind of the perfect drug for the Voyager crew. Reludian crystals. Ingesting just one of these will make days of tedious travel seem like moments of exquisite rapture. Oh my God, Ben. I was personally interested in <laughs> this drug for some of the longer edit days that, mm. that we've had. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe we shouldn't say no right away. Yeah, maybe <laughs> rejecting this out of hand was a bit, <laughs> a bit forced, guys. Yeah. Give the guy some consideration. Yeah, he's just trying to do some business. Seems like this could help. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Neelix is also looking for something to buy. He uh, walks up to a man who's uh, a map dealer and asks for a map of the Necrit Expanse. And the guy's like, are you fucking high? Sounds like you've been taking some of uh, Sutak's blue pebbles <laughs> over there. <laughs> Take it from me, a map dealer. You can't map that. That's not how any of this works. That's bad news for Neelix. Yeah. But good news for Neelix is he runs into an old friend. It's Wixabon. Wixabon is a Talaxian. 
You can tell because he's got an X in his name. Wixaban makes this episode officially House of Mutton Chops because between him <laughs> and Barat and Neelix, they're long enough where they could just tie them all together. Yeah. They could have a three-way where their chops are all tied in a yeah. circle and they're all just kissing each other. The facial hair equivalent of, of kissing and getting your braces stuck. <laughs> Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So they go get a drink at the local tavern. Neelix is kind of bragging on his special position aboard the Voyager and Wix is like cool great to hear what a nice life you've uh, made for yourself I of course did a bid for you upstate you should have told me I did three years Brian I told you it wasn't my fault and uh, my life is fucking dog shit ever since this is a bad look for Neelix like uh, that this fact comes after Neelix embellishing his time on the ship <laughs> is just the worst order of conversational operations here. Please do the math on what the last time you saw Wixaban was, Neelix, and be sensitive to the fact that his life might not be going as swimmingly as yours. Literally, a guy that loves being in a bath. You at least need to ask them how they're doing first. Right, right. You really need to feel Wixaban out on his situation. <laughs> This scene would have lasted 40 minutes on Star Trek Discovery, where they they both sit at that bar and talk <laughs> about their pain for a long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the guilt. If only Cybok was there. Yeah. That's a guy you want to share your pain with. Yeah. And gain strength from the ship. Neelix talks a lot about his experience on the ship, none of it having to do with being genetically combined with a Vulcan and then having that combination murdered in order to restore his individuality. I mean, I feel like if you make the mistake of not asking your friend who went to jail for you about the jail thing, you can at least make it up by telling the Tuvix story, yeah, right? I almost died, sort of. <laughs> Is Tuvix equivalent to jail? Like when you're genetically combined with Tuvok? Yeah. Like, he did time. Yeah. He did, like, three days as Tuvix. No, he did weeks as Tuvix. They got used to Tuvix. That's probably a greater punishment than that year Wixabon did. Yeah. Wix, I think uh, we're all square. Yeah. Wix wouldn't feel so bad if he knew about the Tuvix situation, but... And he, like, slides a pad across the table, and it's just a picture of the back of Tuvix's head. <laughs> <laughs> I ate bugs in prison, but this actually turns my stomach. Say no more, Neelix. You actually got a, a rawer deal than I did. <laughs> The, in fact, the grief currency that Neelix trades is that his uh, his gravy train may be coming to an end with the Voyager because he's going to be useless to them after this point. Yeah. Going forward, he does not know jack shit about the space that they'll be flying through. He doesn't even know rumors. So he needs at least a map through the Necrid Expanse to kind of keep paying his way. And Wix is like, uh, you know, I might, I might be able to help you, despite what that guy... Uh, a minute ago told you about it being unmappable. I may be able to hook you up. Right. That's a mappable ass. <laughs> what, what begins with a P? What am I? How do I complete this joke? This joke math. Oh, okay. Um, uh, place? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> Let's, Six years in. Yeah. 
mappable ass place. This is why we get the big bucks in Star Trek podcasting. <laughs> we come up with solid gold comedy like that. Yeah. As a team. Yeah. It's a scene that ends with some compatible problems, right? Yeah. Uh, if Wix can get Neelix a map, then Neelix's problem is solved. But if Wix is able to do that, then uh, his hand might be washing that hand over there. Mm-hmm. Might be yeah. a better deal for Wix, too, because he's got a ship in Hawk. He's, he's dealing with some things over there. Yeah, it's a real I scratch your mutton chop, you scratch mine kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. So back on the Voyager, Neelix is at work in the galley stressing because he's still sweating not having a map in hand when uh, Vorik shows up to do some engineering on the food replicators. And Chakotay marches in with Wix and is like, hey, I ran into your old homie. Uh, He wanted to say hi to you. So here he is. Okay, bye. It doesn't take long for Neelix to tell Vorik to get fucked because... (laughs) They want to have a private conversation. And what's great about like telling a Vulcan to get fucked is that it's not going to hurt their feelings, right? Get fucked! I'm a Vulcan. I have no ego to bruise. The reveal that Neelix does not believe that the Voyager crew needs a cook, low-key a heel turn for Neelix. Like, you've been forcing this on them the entire time? Yeah. What kind of (laughs) sick joy have you been getting out of force-feeding everyone on the crew gherkins? Too much gherkins. These people don't like Leola Roots. They've said that several times. Whatever happens between us, I'm doing you a favor giving you my pickles. <laughs> Have you ever noticed whenever the crew takes over and starts cooking for themselves, Leola Root not on the menu, gherkins <laughs> completely absent? <laughs> you can't even get a special sauce on Voyager. I mean, it's, it's really fucked up what he's doing to them. <laughs> Wix is there to say that he's been able to give Chicote the spindle bearings that they've been looking for. Like, that was Chicote's whole reason for going to the station was to trade for those things. Yeah. And Neelix is like, those are hot spindle bearings, aren't they? You fucking stole them, you asshole. <laughs> and Wix is like, no, I'm on, no. I'm on the up and up. I've gone straight. I've gone square. I want to do good business because I've got a ship in Hawk. And I'm all alone on that station, and it's very scary for me. Yeah. I don't have it nearly as good as you do, Neelix. My dream is to own a fly casino like Bugsy Siegel and do it all legal. Right. And Neelix is like, I'll believe it when I see it. I sort of thought in this scene that Wix was here kind of trying to swoop on Neelix's position. Yeah, there was definitely that vibe to this whole thing. Like a maybe he's here to make the case for his own utility ahead of Neelix's and trying to replace him. If Top Chef were on TV in 96, do you think that's what the show would have pivoted to? (laughs) Like cooking contest for the right to remain Voyager's chef? Neelix, tell me what you were going for in this dish. (laughs) I thought the Leola root kind of overpowered everything else on the fork and the mouthfeel (laughs) left a lot to be desired. Tuvac would be uh, would be the Tom Colicchio of the panel, right? Mm-hmm. The the difficult to please, self serious one. Right, right. Kess would weirdly be the Padma Lakshmi of the situation. I mean, that wouldn't be fair. You couldn't have Kess judge Neelix, especially after they broke up, right? Man, I think that one thing really missing in this episode is Neelix talking to Kess about anything that is going on with him. That's because, to our knowledge. They are or aren't broken up at this point because in Warlord, they broke up. Yeah, but like they still have 
an intimacy, right? I don't know. I don't think that uh, any anybody made the case that they're not speaking to each other. Right. What what we needed was the closure scene that we didn't get, and it was a scene that was shot and cut for time. Like wow. they they had it there and they didn't use it. But we there was a scene shot where they they have a uh, a gracious uncoupling, a thankful breakup, whatever uh-huh. Hollywood types call. <laughs> <laughs> when they when they get split and divorced, that's what they had. But so, like, it wasn't a Kess saying, Neelix, I don't even want to see your fucking face. It didn't go like that. Yeah. But without it, like, there's a strange tension in the end of the episode when Kess finally does appear. That's not intended. It's all I could think about from basically this moment forward is, like, why doesn't Neelix just discuss the moral quandary that he feels like he is dealing with. And Kess would know the torture that Neelix was under throughout the episode if she were around. Like, she'd know he'd been lying. She'd know he's stressed out. Yeah. It breaks the episode if she's there. So Wix is like, hey, listen, I've got a way for you guys to get the pergium that you need. This is a rare substance that they want to get some of for, uh, for this journey. You can only find it between the uh, the butthole and the scrotum. <laughs> yeah, but nobody wants to look there, you know? Yeah, no way. Can you imagine how long the hair is down there for Neelix? <laughs> Do you think it's as well combed out? Like a fucking cat's tail. <laughs> so uh, this is going to involve turning a paperclip into a house number of <laughs> trades. Yeah. They gotta they gotta get some medicine and then they got gotta trade that for the map and the pergium with a colony of people that are suffering from a lung disease. So there's like a good, you know, the bottom line is there this is like a kindness that they're doing to some people, but it's complex, a lot of moving parts. A lot of uh, strands to keep in my head, man. All of the parts that are moving, all of the favors being done though, are very one directional, right? Like this is going to be easy as hell as long as Neelix provides the shuttle yeah. and the weapons and the protection. Oh, and also, Neelix, you can't tell anyone about this because that station captain's going to want to take his 20%. So, like, keep it under your hat. If that guy gets his beak wet, then 20% of the people on the planet aren't going to get the medicine that they need for their lungs. Right. It's very important medicine and definitely not... Something that sounds fun to do recreationally. Yeah. Barat's a real killjoy, and he doesn't want those people to (laughs) have a nice recovery. Barat thinks he can work with both sides and get things done, and that was just a mistake to go into the situation thinking. Yeah. What Barat really works well with is a nice slice of tomato and a basil leaf, maybe a (laughs) drizzle of olive oil and (laughs) balsamic vinegar. Oh, yeah. Delicious. Really nice. Really nice way to start a meal. I've got to get that platinum, get that A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, 
and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it. With Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So we go from Neelix thinking about it to this mission in progress. They're on the shuttle. They're cruising around. Great success so far. But Neelix has got like that cloud over his head. Like Wix is having all the fun. Yeah. And when you're doing a secret mission of questionable legality, you want to have the same amount of fun as... (laughs) As your partner, right? Yeah. If your wheel man is extremely moody, like, yeah. I, that, hey, I'd be uh, nervous. I noticed our getaway ride is nervous and, and twitchy. Yeah. Uh, this might be a bad giant deal. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, 
Wix is calling Neelix on this at a certain point, and, and yeah. he's like, you used to be a hardened criminal. This would have been a great time for you. What gives? Yeah, he can't even enjoy this. And he enjoys it even less when they beam onto the station ready to do the deal. And uh, before they get over there, Wix pulls a dustbuster out for safety. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was very significant that Neelix does not take one for himself. Yeah. Bringing a strap to the drop really implies something about the deal that's going down. Oh, indeed. This entire plan is the trading fake cocaine for money scene in Boogie Nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for it's real cocaine. Yeah. And they don't get the money. Sutak is the dealer. He's the yeah, guy that tried to... he's the to, boredom ecstasy dealer. He's, he's the... Yeah, he, he tried to sell the stuff to uh, Chicote in Paris earlier, and... Um, I'm not as interested in these drugs as I was in the earlier drugs, because these are fucking horse pills when they open up the, <laughs> the briefcase. Yeah. I don't it, know how you're supposed to take these, and I don't want to know. They look like they should have a flared base, but don't. <laughs> yeah, that thing is disappearing. Which is part of why it's such a dangerous drug. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, like the danger to the drug isn't the psychoactivity or like the brain damage. It's it's the rectal trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else about it is cool. Yeah. No long-term effects. So like any poorly planned out drug deal, this goes all the way wrong. They get beat up. They get the drugs stolen. They don't get the money. Um, Wix has to shoot Sutok and uh, apparently... This dustbuster is set to kill because they get out of there. Neelix is pissed off at Wix. And then the next day, there's a big McLaughlin group on the Voyager where Janeway kind of barks at the senior staff that she's very pissed off that a Starfleet phaser seems to have been used in a murder aboard the station. This is another scene of Janeway being Vidian pissed. Might even be more pissed in this scene than ever before. A new level, I think. Barat is there to lay out his evidence, and it doesn't look good. No. It looks bad. Neelix does not say anything because Wix has sort of implied that he will use Neelix's controversial past against him with the Voyager crew if Neelix rats him out. And so the murder investigation will begin, but Neelix does not use this golden opportunity to come clean. No, nor does he use the opportunity while being interrogated by Tuvok. Yeah, his next stop is Tuvok's office where, <laughs> where Tuvok is kind of implying that, that Wix is a suspect, but Neelix covers for him in this moment. Yeah. And also sort of disavows his relationship with Wix. He's like, I don't even know the guy that well. Yeah, all right. You know what? You can't tie me to her. Well, who needs to? Because your ass is on a plane back to New Jersey, Jagoff. Yeah, it's kind of like that that deposition transference of like, well, I'll give you no answers that help you, but I guess if I'm invited to your interrogation of Wix, I'll ride shotgun for that. And that's sort of how it goes. Like Tuvok in this scene believes Neelix to be a facilitator, like not suspecting Neelix of being involved in this crime at all. He's going to have Neelix like sit in on the interrogation, which takes place in the bar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the station. Seems like a bad place to do it. I mean, bad place if you're the suspect. Probably a great place if you're an investigator, right? Why wouldn't you always take a suspect to a bar? 
Because, Give them a couple drinks. Because their accomplices might be nearby and they would be, like, worried about retribution from the accomplices. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Bad call by me. but um, What's important is getting a drunken confession, Ben. Yeah, that's true. But he does not get that. Uh, all he gets is some more dissembling from Wix. Where were you at the time of the shooting? In bed. He can't provide an alibi for where he was when the murder happened because he was in bed alone. So Tuvok, does, you know, feels like he may be barking up the wrong tree and dips out but leaves Neelix to enjoy a glass of beer with his buddy. Yeah, I don't think anyone's enjoying this, though. No. Because Neelix didn't like the situation from Jump, but the more Wix describes the other valences to their plan, uh, the more horrifying it becomes for Neelix. Like, there are other people involved in this deal, and they are the Kaladi. The Kaladi were the ones that were providing all the all the financial backing, and they're pretty pissed that they didn't get their payout. And so now, to be made whole, what the Kaladi want is a sample of warp plasma from the Voyager's warp core, because it will help them make their ships way better if they can get a sense of how good this warp plasma is. Where did you get this stuff? Columbia. Yeah, this is off the table, though, for Neelix. He's not going to do that. It's wrong. I won't do it. So he says. This is kind of an interesting scene after this, where Neelix stops by to see Tom Paris, who... I, this looked like it might be six bay to me, but I, I don't think it is. I guess it's just a room where they have different kinds of containers on board the ship. This is kind of like back in my video production days. Like this was the dream, right? What, like I didn't always have the occasion to buy a new Pelican case, uh-huh. but I really did enjoy New Pelican Case Day. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Nice to have that pick and pull lining that is just set up for exactly the thing that you're putting in it. And that's what Paris is looking for, like exactly the right case for what he needs to contain, except he just can't find it in this pile of distinct cases. Cannot. Neelix is helping him sort through all of this and says like, hey, Tom, you've done some time. Any advice on uh, avoiding (laughs) doing time? (laughs) And uh, Tom Paris sort of expresses a lot of the lessons of the first duty to Neelix in this. I mean, it really turns into an episode of Sesame Street here. I mean, this is no one's fault. But, like, I don't feel like Paris is really answering the question Neelix asked as much as, you know, emphasizing a kind of strict Starfleet morality that everyone needs to ascribe to. And I didn't buy what he was saying. Like, he didn't go to jail because he didn't tell the truth. He went to jail because he broke the law. He got that kid killed in a culvert starburst. Yeah, you can't do that. But it wasn't the crime, it was the cover-up, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he would have gotten in trouble either way. But I mean, can we agree that it was also the crime <laughs> and not just the cover-up? <laughs> I think Paris is uh, papering over uh, kind of the half of the story here. Yeah, I guess this, like Tom Paris isn't uh, exactly supposed to be the same character as whatever that guy was called in The First Duty, but I think he really is. I mean... The truth will set you free, or in Neelix's case, maybe keep you free, is not a bad message. But uh, I agree that it's a little bit a little bit strange coming out of Paris's mouth when that's the implication. I mean, I hate to say this about a, 
Talaxian, but it is human nature. Why the very name is racist. To prioritize like the short term effects of something versus the long term. And this is what Neelix is doing, right? Telling the truth would be very painful in the short term, but it would be better for him in the long term. Yeah. But he can't see past that short-term thing. This great advice goes unheeded, and Neelix's next stop is down in engineering, where Vorik is uh, apparently the only person on duty. And Neelix is like, I'm just going to like run around uh, in the Jeffrey's tubes for a little while, see what's uh, going on in there. It's okay that I do this unsupervised, right? Could you just stay over uh, kind of on that side of engineering? <laughs> That'd be great. I like that this is one of the duty shifts where there's just Boric and no one else in engineering. Yeah. I thought that Neelix's plasma gathering prop was one of the great props in this mm. episode. And an episode with a lot of great props, like the little tools and gadgets all through the episode, I feel like looked really cool. And it's the rare episode where they made, I think there are like five new gadgets on screen yeah. in this episode and they're they're all nicely done. Yeah, this device he's got like looks heavy yeah. and metallic. Like it's a it's a good looking prop. It's great. Coffee, black. Coffee, black. Make it, make it, make it yourself. So he shows up back on the station and admits to Wicks that he did not have the nerve. He got right up to the plasma conduit and then chickened out. Wicks is like, but you had that awesome prop. <laughs> you, how could you not plug it in there and get the plasma? Yeah. So as they're having this conversation, some police march into the space behind Barat and announce they're going to be arresting a couple of people. This sort of looks like it's the jig is up for Neelix and Wicks, but it's actually Tom Paris and Chakotay that are in the trouble. Oh, no. They were skulking around where Sutak used to work. They, yeah. I think they had second thoughts about the pills. Let's see, if we can, let's see if we can go uh, indicate to that guy to go uh, hang out with us in a place where there isn't as much surveillance. Yeah. You got anything to make the workday go better? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone carrying? Drugs can make you feel good. I kind of thought that this was a setup by Wicks, but it's actually just bad police work by Barat. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Barat has uh, has decided that Chicote and Paris are the prime suspects because he has footage of them not buying drugs from the drug dealer. <laughs> that is very suspicious. <laughs> suspicious enough to suspect them of murder, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Now, entered into evidence as Exhibit A, this security cam footage of Paris and Chicote turning down these super fun-sounding drugs. Who would do that? Unless they had murder on their minds. The prosecution rests. Janeway's <laughs> <laughs> like, the fuck? Yeah. One of the uh, things that is introduced here is that, uh, is that the punishment on board this station is cryostatic suspension. It's the same punishment as in Demolition Man aboard this station. We have become a society of peace, loving, and, and understanding, and we are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with this situation. Broke my heart that we didn't see the room full of these tubes. Like, we've got the tubes. Even from this season, we've got the tubes. Yeah. We need some frosty tubes in this scene so we get to see all the other guys that Barat's put in there. Too bad they didn't whip out the tubes. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, as soon as Barat was installed as, like, the station commander, like, he made all kinds of promises mm-hmm. about freeing the people from cryostasis. Yeah. Turns out he's j- just as bad a practitioner. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. So, Neelix is like, I can't let this stand. He goes to Wix and he's like, dude, we gotta we gotta get those guys out of here. I have a plan. I have a, I have a way we can not get arrested and also do the right thing here. So they go to Barat, and basically the proposal is, we're going to roll on the Kaladi. We'll give up the kingpin. Snitches get cryo-stitches, but we're going <laughs> to... You, you're going to arrest them before they can do anything to us. Barat's like, I don't know, guys. I really, really enjoy these mandatory minimum sentences yeah. in the cryostasis. Don't you know that the criminal justice system aboard this station is a lot more about just kind of punishing people for being on the fringes than it is about actually solving for social ills? That Barat confidence from that first scene, though, carries through into all scenes with Barat because... When Wix and Neelix are like, your security apparatus, along with being unjust, fucking sucks. Like, <laughs> this is an open-air party drug market here yeah. that you're running. He's like, right what? Under no, your it's not. There, no, there's n- not a single nickel changes hands aboard this station without me getting a penny out of it, out of the deal. <laughs> like, you, you are fucking nuts. Are you Are you taking the drugs that Sulak is selling? <laughs> Maybe that's part of the 20% he's getting. Oh. Maybe that's why the station is run so poorly, is he's doing the party drugs to make the the job go by faster. Yeah. I don't know. I just realized the guy's name was Sutok, not Sulak. And um, I just want to formally apologize for that previous mistake on this episode. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, at Greatest Trek twitter account it looks like you've already posted the the screen grab of of your notes page mm-hmm. i did a bad thing and uh i've learned from it wow kind of unfortunate you said i'm sorry if you heard me say <laughs> that mispronunciation it's yeah. kind of not how an apology works ben it is not <laughs> also uh thanks for the mini bottle of wine that it does soften the blow a little bit mm-hmm. you got it over here pretty fast yeah Almost I, as if you knew you were going to fuck something up this episode. I kind of send those just reflexively, just in case. <laughs> that was some prophylactic wine uh-huh. you sent over here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a deal that Barat is willing to strike with them. If uh, if we can catch some big bads, maybe maybe you guys can avoid your prison sentence. So I like how tickled Borat is. <laughs> God, we could have been doing Borat shit the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I got I got fucking raked over the coals for calling Sutak Sulak. People were so mad, and then you call Barat Borat, and people just think it's funny and cute. Yeah, I don't get the difference. It's because it's part of my character. Yeah, and part of your character is doing it right every time. (laughs) I don't think that's very nice. Barat's kind of uh, tickled by the idea of this. He's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to be dead anyway and your plan isn't going to work. So, I mean, like this actually makes my workday a little more fun. I might only have to do half of the party drugs today. (laughs) Yeah. No wonder this guy's so irritable. He's kind of like constantly riding the difference between high as hell and coming off of his high. Yeah, he hasn't found his equilibrium. 
there's a fun moment where he's like watching the surveillance cameras uh, where the deal is about to go down and the signal with Neelix and Wex gets replaced by an empty hallway and he gets to see just how much the wool has been pulled over his eyes. It's the classic security camera blip. No! That you've seen in uh, in 10,000 90s movies. In Speed. Yeah. In our first R-rated movie. Yeah. Perfect example. So down in the deal, we get to see this Kaladi guy, Tosin, show up. And this guy is a hunk. He is really good looking. You take a look at Tosin's face and you notice one thing. You notice a couple of things, actually. Really good a, bone structure. He looks a lot like a predator without his helmet on. Yeah. And two, the actor was given no nose holes for this prosthetic and was wow. forced to breathe through his mouth. They really Doug eight- jones Tim, huh? Yeah. Man. He got really fucked over in the uh, ability to breathe department. He does look like a, a man with quite a bit of gramba, though. Yeah, I mean, it is one reason why he had kind of a permanent erection. <laughs> <laughs> so Neelix has gotten, like, stunt plasma from Borat, and he gives it to Tosin, and uh, Tosin's like, what? This, this plasma sucks! I thought it was going to be pure! <laughs> pure plasma! <laughs> and they're like, not only is that shitty, bad kind of plasma, it's also leaking into the environment right now. So yeah. you're fucked because you can't shoot us because it will blow up and your transporter will also blow it up. Hey, guys, maybe you should make your plasma smell like rotten eggs so yeah. you know if there's a plasma leak. Add a little scent to the plasma. Yeah. So that somebody can call the fire department or the gas company. If you smell root beer candy, you know you got a plasma leak. <laughs> <laughs> or you're having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that do not make your plasma smell like burned toast. Yeah. Smell like what? Bernie here. Tosin is in a, a bind because he can't transport out and he can't just kill them for double crossing him. But yeah. Neelix is really goading him. Neelix is like, I've got nothing to lose, man. Shoot me. Shoot me now. Do it shit. You got nothing to lose. I damn sure ain't got nothing to lose. So shoot me. <laughs> and Wix is like, no, what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> Wix is also like, why are you saying plasma like that? What plasma? He kept saying plasma. (laughs) We just came from a plaza to get to this area of the station. Is that why it's confused in your brain? Because that was a plaza and this is plasma. Hmm. But you said plasma. Uh, It just doesn't seem plausible. (laughs) That's how you would think it is pronounced. Oh, so if it was a famous play, it would be uh, Le Plasma? <laughs> uh-huh. Does, here's the ultimate question. Oh. Ultimate question. Does Neelix want to die here? Is more than 50% of you thinking that he does? Because by the end, you could plausibly say that this is all part of the thing he was doing, like this is part of the manipulation. He was emboldened because he knew that the cavalry was going to arrive and, and save his life. But I think it is far more interesting to read the scene as if Neelix is truly at rock bottom. He does not care if he lives or dies. If he is able to accomplish this mission, maybe there's not a place for him on Voyager anyway. The thought crossed my mind and... I think His mispronunciation of plasma being kind of evidence of this. So humiliating. He doesn't want to live with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But 
I think that the thing that makes me think that he toyed with the idea but ultimately decided against it is that he jumps away when the explosion happens. Yeah. And Barat shows up to arrest everybody and the explosion happens and Neelix wakes up on a bio bed in Six Bay. And Doc Holliday describes him as having been covered in third degree burns, but he looks okay. Man, how are you even alive? I'm not. But I am. Doc knows exactly how this feels. Does not mention how painful burns can be. Yeah. Maybe because he knows the thing that will inflict the most pain is Kess walking in. Yeah. Post breakup. Yeah. Kess saw you naked, covered in burns, by the way. You probably don't remember because you were in agony over those third degree plasma burns, but uh, Kess installed and removed your catheter. (laughs) (laughs) And scrubbed your wounds when you were in the burn unit. Yeah. Janeway comes in and asks everybody to uh, give her a moment with Neelix. And this is maybe the maddest we've seen Catherine Janeway. But it's not just that she's mad. She's also disappointed. It's a hell of a combination. You remember being a little kid, like a real little kid. Yeah. And when you'd fucked up, one of your parents would come into the room and sit on your bed. Do you remember how that felt? Like when a parent sits on your bed, you know you're in trouble. (laughs) That lump in your throat is not going away for a while. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that is the vibe here. It's not that Janeway sits on Neelix's bio bed, which would have been a fun physical bit of intimidation. Yeah. But she might as well be. You can't just walk away from your responsibilities because you made a mistake in that nebula. It's an interesting scene. She invokes the first duty as a, surely you know the first duty. But I sort of wanted her to also give voice to the fact that In the Federation, like somebody not being immediately useful does not Mm -hmm. cause them to not be a valued member of society. And hasn't Neelix learned that from them also? Right. Like the utopian future is not just that everybody has everything they want. It's also that you don't have to be like feeding the capitalist machine to be considered a valuable member of society. That's such an interesting observation. And it's interesting that Neelix is the one to give what little voice there is to that concept. Like when Janeway asks Neelix, why did you do it? And Neelix said it was a map. That's not the interesting answer. The yeah. answer is the loss of utility and the, and the idea that he doesn't think he's going to have a home anymore if he can't tell them all about the gas outside the view screen. Right. I think there's... More of a teachable moment here than the scene gives credit to. Do you think they got runtimed on this? Maybe. Like a more interesting interaction between them requires more time and they just didn't have it. Yeah, because this is like the last like two minutes of the episode that this is happening in. And we need time for Janeway to sort of imply that Neelix was like... Part of the family, but he's also on punishment. Like, I couldn't quite tell if he's, like, imprisoned aboard the ship because he offers to leave. And she's like, oh, no, you don't. I felt the same way. I was extremely confused by, like, nothing was confusing about the tone that Janeway was giving Neelix during this conversation. But the expression at the very end on Janeway's face made me wonder if after giving him the punishment, if it wasn't some kind of like bullshit posturing and how much of that she really meant. Yeah. I was confused by that. The interpretation I had was she didn't relish laying into him like that, but she felt like she had to as the leader of the ship. 
but also, <laughs> yeah, like I don't always think that laying into someone is the best way. Like I don't, I feel like Neelix already feels like shit about this, you know. <laughs> Right. I don't think that like doing hard physical labor is like a really progressive reformist right. way of uh, of, uh-huh. of causing someone to reflect on their mistakes. All right. I mean, there is a great big upside for Janeway and the rest of the crew here is for two weeks, the food's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> it is going to be a great time to, to go on down to the mess hall. Yeah. Not a chance of, of a gach buffet being there. Yeah. Like what was promised to BLT at the beginning of the episode. Oh, Get that Neelix, out of here. You, you finished uh, scrubbing the deuterium manifolds for the day? Guess what isn't on sale at the buffet? Leola root. Nary a Leola root to be found. Nary areola root, more like. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? balance i did i just like it kind of rides the line for me because of the confusion i had in the last scene and i think also because of the what you described as a sesame street moment with tom paris in the middle like i thought that this tom paris scene maybe would have made more sense if neelix had seemed more torn after it but like the next thing he does is go to steal plasma (laughs) you know he had to make that decision (laughs) <laughs> that's true how about you i i like this episode and then i mean and i frequently feel like i will feel a lot of times in voyager that it just doesn't get dark enough mm-hmm. you know and this is another example of an episode that that could have gotten a lot darker especially when you deal with the the guilt associated with your friends going to prison for you or whatever right and neelix watching wixabon fucking murder a guy in front of him, like there are there are traumatic moments in this episode that don't feel so traumatic because I think we're really in it with Neelix. Like it's it's interesting the magic trick that this episode is able to pull off because you still really care about him and you want him to be safe and you can see him like he he describes it to Janeway in that you know like one lie turned into the lie to cover up the first lie and so on and so forth right and like the stress of that supersedes all other feelings in the episode in kind of an elegant way the stress covers up what imperfections there might be or what choices the episode makes and not going as dark as it could have. And in that way, I really did enjoy its construction. The writer of this episode, this is like the first one that this writer's done. And there's, I guess, going to be six or seven more teleplays by Andre Bormanis. And I like this as a first piece of work from this writer. And he's someone that I want to note when that credit comes up again, because I thought this was really well done, just as a construction. Yeah. For all its flaws, it's got like so much about it that's really interesting also. It's one thing when an episode is flawed and those flaws are not attempted to be covered or manipulated in any way, but there's like, there's dimensionality to what's happening in this episode and the excuses some parts make for other aspects to it that I think is, is nicely put together. I agree. Uh, Will you want to see if there are any nicely put together priority one messages in the inbox? Well, it's up to us to put them together, right? They're just like the pieces are there. Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. 
Then our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It's from Zach Brager. It is to Ben, Adam, and the viewers, and that message goes like this. In TNG, Season 3, Episode 15, Tasha Yar goes back through the space butthole. She there is captured by Romulans and has her daughter, Ram Yarlin, Sela. The Tal Shiar was not introduced until TNG Season 6, Episode 14, almost three years later. Tasha Yar, Tal Shiar. Whoa. Is it possible that the <laughs> Tal Shiar was named after Tasha Yar, whether by writers or in canon by Sela? Well, Zach, this is a this is a Star Trek convention question if I've ever heard one. Yeah, I mean, where do you want to take your answer? <laughs> that's the that's the real question. Will you be out on the convention floor while uh, while we run this information down? I mean, I'm ready to believe this theory. The similarity is I'm just looking at them in text. Yeah. If that's true, what is the name Kawat Malat based on? <laughs> great counterpoint, you know? Yeah, great question, Zach, but you didn't think about that, did you? Didn't think about that. Well, our next priority one message here is from the Julian to your O'Brien and Keiko. The Beverly to your Picard and Wesley, the trombone to your Riker and his consent fetish, Dan. And it is mm. to Jason and Lane. Goes like this. Congratulations on getting married. I thought that the best wedding gift I could give is that for one day, the wedding day, I will agree with Jason about Tuvix. Jason can be right for a day and Lane won't have to worry that we'll start arguing about it. <laughs> But until then, Tuvix was murdered, and Jason's defense of Janeway is a war crime. <laughs> Back from the dead is Vichy Frenchman for this. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you don't want to fight on your wedding day. Yeah, that's like rain on your wedding day. You don't want it. Yeah. It's like Tuvix walking into a room backwards on your wedding day. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry, Lane, for letting this argument burst out into the podcast, but uh, it seems like Dan is ready to make peace for one day. Yeah, I mean, if you don't see a wedding gift on that table full of wedding gifts, yeah, this is it. You got it. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if you registered for this, but... Uh... <laughs> I mean, the wedding is June 3rd, 2022, so... We got a while. We got some time for the fallout yeah. from this P1 <laughs> and the possible responses. Jason has a long time to look forward to that day, though. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations to uh, Jason and Lane. Wow. Well, uh, if you'd like to get a Priority One message, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. As of this recording, we're booked uh, just a few months out, but uh, back half of the year looks like pretty much wide open. So if uh, you'd like to get a P1, go ahead and jump on it. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What is that, Ben? Do you have a drunk Shimoda? I never felt safe with Wix Aban. Yeah. That's why Wix is going to be my Shimoda. Like, always feeling off balance with him. The the specter of, like, that old friend bringing back, you know, a past drama to the surface. Yeah. Like, uh, you think you know Neelix until you meet a Wix, 
and then you start to understand that this is a character with a past and not a and not a savory past either. Yeah, and that gives Wicks weird leverage. Yeah, I thought James Nardini did great as Wicks. There's something so threatening about the performative friendship that he demonstrates here, you know, that like makes everything feel even more dangerous. Yeah. What's so fun about the performance and the character is that like there's if you were to read the transcript or whatever, like there's nothing in his dialogue when he's not describing the blackmail that he wants <laughs> to inflict on Neelix, like the subtext of everything he does and says also points to that. And I, I thought that was just really well done. Yeah. So uh it's Wix for me. What about you? Uh for me it's Barat who I think the the performance of Barat is really good, but the way Barat is written is really silly. Like <laughs> the fact that he stands to make twenty percent of every transaction that the Voyager makes and is really standoffish and shitty when they show up makes no sense. Like he should be like, "Hey, welcome! Come on to my like totally crime free and stable station. The only thing you need to do is pay me twenty percent of everything." Well, I mean, he's got a captive audience. I think is the thing, right? right. Like he's the he's the he's last the stop one. on the uh, on the I five for for. 45 miles so if you need the only convenience store in the hotel you know yeah but i think uh the fact that he pivots from that position to being like yes i would like to collaborate with you on the murder investigation and like treat the captain as being somebody who's dealing in good faith despite the fact that one of her weapons was used in this crime (laughs) it's a very funny turnabout for him yeah yeah so it is the incongruity there that I think makes him my drunk Shimoda in this episode. Good call. Well, Adam, uh, why don't you head to gach.biz slash game where we keep the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. Well, I tell you about season three, episode 14, Alter Ego. Ensign Kim asks Tuvok to teach him Vulcan emotional control techniques when he falls in love with a holodeck character named Mariana. Wow. Marina. <laughs> Do you have a third guess? Marina. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely rhymes with a part of the female anatomy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mulva. <laughs> Maloris. <laughs> All right, Ben, I'm over at the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker to figure out how we're going to be reviewing the next episode. Hmm. Currently, our runabout is on square 45. That is on the doorstep of a Coco Nono tiki-themed drunkisode. And then a few squares after that, a space butthole, which would take us down to the second row and the very same kind of square. Right. We've got this this double jeopardy situation, tiki-wise. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. How am I going to fuck this up? <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> Chula! Did I win? Hardly. Ben, I've rolled a two, which hops us over the Coconono episode, lands us on square 47, where we are now two squares away from the space belt hole that would take us down to a, a Coconono square. So, a regular episode for you and me. I have to say, mildly disappointed. I was kind of hoping for a, uh, a Coconono. Hey, we got another shot. I guess we do have another shot. We're not out of the Coco No-No woods. I mean, if Harry Kim is sad, I might want to do some drinking with him this next episode. It sounds like a sad Harry Kim app. Maybe it is. I don't like the idea of that. Yeah. 
Happy Kim. That's what I want. I'm happy, Ben. Aren't you? <laughs> that it's the end of another great episode of the Greatest Generation. Yeah, I'm happy to be done with this. Satisfied that we've done another great job, perfect job, even. Yeah. The only way we're able to uh, to create a show as dynamic and hilarious <laughs> as this, as as nothing but good, is the support of our viewers. Those viewers go to maximumfun.org/join to support the show on a monthly basis. In exchange for that, they get access to Miriam bonus episodes coming out on the monthly. Yeah, now, so many. A rate of production that is uh, heretofore unheard of. For example, we just released a brand new episode of Factory Seconds in the bonus feed. How about that? Uh, the the new hit bonus podcast concept that has you and me going to a uh, cheesecake factory and enjoying one item on the menu yeah. until the menu's exhausted. An inexhaustible menu, but we're gonna we're gonna try. <laughs> we're gonna try our darndest. So uh, yeah, maybe it'll catch on. People seem to really like it. Yeah, um, much like the Cheesecake Factory itself. Seems like a uh, a very good business model. Yeah, uh, we uh, couldn't do this without the producer of this program, Wendy Pretty, and the social media director of Uxbridge Shimoda, Bill Tilly, and the music that uh, we got from Dark Materia and from Adam Ragusea, who uh, made all the original stuff for this show. And he has uh, got a great YouTube show about how to cook. Go search Adam Ragusea on YouTube. You'll see why he's more popular than us. Yeah, you'll see it all right there. Just eating a spaghetti pot full of tilapia, (laughs) doing chin-ups. Yeah, just getting shredded. Yeah. That's yeah, always legs day at the Ragusea house. No kidding. Well, thanks to everyone who has uh, supported us and left a nice review on Apple Podcast and gotten us through six years of this show. We really appreciate it. Yeah. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that has found our minuet. But we're not quite sure how to pronounce her name. Make it so. I said neck grit expanse, fuller than my pants, mappable ass place, make that navigation safe. Yeah, 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 you fucking with a mappable ass place. Bring a starship and a map for this neck grit part of space. Neelix risked everything he got for this mappable ass place. Wexabon, caught a charge, resentful fuck up, living hard. Talaxian crooks in this bazaar, like Mord's hammer hitting the bar. 20% goes to Burat. Who's that Kaladi? He's super hot. This place is very mappable. Just don't take a left on Sutak. He's got drugs that make time fly. No interest from Chakotay. I want you to park that Delta Flyer right in the Voyager's shuttle bay. No more gherkins, no more gawk. Talaxian food makes me want a Ralph. I don't need boots, I don't need shoes. My plate has an area and area old route. get your starship ready to go through this mappable-ass place. Bring a compass and some paper for this mappable-ass place. Give up your position on the ship for this mappable-ass place. Make yourself seem like a liar for this mappable-ass place. 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.